We used to make something here back before we got lost in the paperwork. At one time, we had a frigate right here, back there, guided missile cruiser. 2,000 men a shift, three shifts a day, 6,000 men. Earned an honest wage in that room. Fed their kids, bought homes, made enough to send their kids to college, buy a second car. Building something they could see. Not just figures on a balance sheet, but a ship. They could see, smell, and touch. Those men knew their worth. They knew who they were. Now everything I spent 30 years trying to build for myself and everybody else is gone. One thing I said that I would never do A look from you and I would fall from grace And that would wipe the smile right from my face Do you remember when we used to dance And incidents arose from circumstance One thing led to another we Together songs unsung It was the heat of the moment Hi everybody, this is Ed Hoffman and welcome to the main event. I open up with that scene from the movie The Company Men from 2010. And the reason I use that is because I think we're coming back into a a new transformation of our economy. And it's not a good one in my eyes. And, uh, you know, when that movie came out, if you haven't seen it, The Company Men, it's got Tommy Lee Jones and Ben Affleck and uh, uh, Craig T. Nelson and uh, a bunch of other people, uh, Chris Cooper. And it's a great movie. And and when it came out, um, I bought like 50 copies of the DVD and I gave it to all my all my employees. And I say, hey, watch this movie, because this is this is what our borrowers are going through right now. Cause remember that was right after, right after the meltdown. And, you know, of course the, the uh, mortgage meltdown happened around 2000, 2008. And it and it went on for a couple of years of people losing their houses and uh, you know, companies having problems and all the, the, the repercussions from it, just like what we're seeing right now is kind of repercussions of what Biden did his first day in office when he, when he stopped, uh, oil production in this country and it just got a little worse and gas prices got a little worse and then it got a little worse and then things got a little bit more expensive and then it got a little worse and we got some supply chain problems and it got a little worse and now we find ourselves in where we are right now and uh it's ugly it's ugly out there and and this is and this in my eyes is all because of oil production and when he shut when he shut that down and it's uh it's ugly out there. And I also use I also use that clip. I had a client that uh that I was doing a pre qualification for someone I'd I'd done a refinance on their house in Texas a few years ago, and uh, I'm talking to the wife and she goes, well you know her husband her husband's a dentist makes lots of money and she was a dental hygienist when I did them last time. She goes well 
Uh, if you look at, if you look at our taxes, my dental hygienist incomes on there last year and I have a little bit of, I'm getting paid to be an influencer on social media. And, you know, I've heard this, but I never really knew what it was. And she goes, well, now I stopped, I stopped working my, my, uh, my dental hygienist job. I'm just being an influencer because I've made $60,000 so far this, so far this year. And I go, Hey, so what is a social, what is a influencer? And, uh, and she says, well, you know, I go on there and I, I model clothes and I model uh, makeup and stuff. So, so wait, when I'm looking at Facebook and, and I see a post and it says, I get so many compliments every time I wear this top. That's you? She goes, well, that's not me on that ad, but it's stuff like that. And, and I'm thinking, and now you're making 60 grand in six months and you walked away from your educational uh, uh, career. And, and I'm thinking to myself, does that mean that the only ones that are going to be working at jobs in the future are going to be fat, ugly white guys. Like, uh, you know, that people that can't, uh, uh, you know, just fat, ugly people that can't model makeup or, or clothes on, on the, uh, on the social media. Is that going to be the only people that have to actually have a regular job or is this just a change of the whole economy? You know, that Amazon and all these online, online things we're going to have people that drive make boxes, warehouse, building warehouses and, and running warehouses and malls are going to go out. We'll turn them into prisons to put bad guys in. And uh, this is just the transformation. We went from the, from the industrial age to the information age. And now we're going to be in the, we're going to go out of the retail, retail business into warehouse and home delivery. Then we're going to get rid of a gas cart. Who knows? Who knows? So it's, I thought it, I thought that, uh, that clip opened up, opened up many different ideas of what I see in the last, in the last seven days. That song was Asia, the heat of the moment. And the whole reason I played that was for a line, line in the movie, in the song that comes in, comes in the second verse that I didn't play. And in that line, it says, and now you find yourself in 82. And of course, the reason I, sh- I wanted to play that was, because now with inflation at 9.1%, uh, they say that we're now back in 1982. We're, uh, we're back in 1982 with the inflation, and we're going into a recession. And of course, the Biden administration says, oh, we're not in a recession. We just had our second. They, just, they announced it Thursday that the GDP for the second quarter was negative 0.9. Um, add that to negative 1.4 for the first for the first quarter. So we are officially in a recession, but they said, no, 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 we're redefining a recession. Now we have to have a little of this and a little of that, but we all know we're in a recession and we're going to start seeing people lose their jobs. And we're going to start people seeing people lose their houses. And there's going to be, there's going to be, things are going to be, are going to be bad out there before they get worse. They're going to get worse before they get better. Um, you know, uh, somebody told me, Hey, Hey, uh, strong men create good times, good time, good times create, Weak men, weak men create bad times, and uh, that's and that's what we're in for now. You know, we uh, we had we had a, a strong man in there, and he made things better for us. And gas prices came down, and our and our economy got better. But now we have a we have the weakest of weak running our country with a cabinet of you no know, George Bush in his in his uh, book Decision Points talks about the the trick to being a to being a president is surround your Self with people that are smarter than you and then listen to them. Well, Biden, Biden's a, is dumb and he's not smart and he surrounded himself with people 
that are diverse, not smart. And hence we have what we have and prepare for things to get worse. So uh, anyway, I'm going to talk about a whole bunch of stuff that's going on this week and some uh, things that maybe you noticed, but you didn't pay attention to. And uh, before I do, let me introduce myself. For those of you that don't know me, my name's Ed Hoffman, branch manager, Planet Home Lending. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, dear night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. And you know, when you say, hey, opportunities in real estate. So you all heard that the Fed increased the, the, the Fed funds rate by another three quarters of a point. And the mortgage rates got better. So if you've been looking, go, man, mortgage rates are terrible. Well, they got a little better. Are they still, are they still uh, anywhere near where they were in January? No, but they're getting better. And some people say, say, Ed, should I buy a house now? I said, the time to buy the house, if you're looking for a house to live in, the perfect time to buy is when you find the perfect house. You know what? When you buy a house, you know, there's a, there may be lots of houses out there, but there's one that's in the perfect neighborhood for the perfect, for maybe the perfect price at the perfect interest rate at uh you know, in perfect timing for you in your life. And uh, when that happens, get it if you can afford it. And uh, if you're an investor, wait a little while till the numbers work. If you're not sure about all that stuff, read my book, Experience Matters. Here's mine. Get it on edhoffman.net. Um, so uh, if you want to talk to me about real estate and financing, but you don't want to talk on the phone, uh, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net, click on the uh, plant home lending logo, and that'll take you to my lending page where you can put in all the information you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back to hear back from one of my talented teammates or possibly myself. It will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. If there's any part of the show you want replayed or you missed it, uh, stay on edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes, Apple podcast, where you can uh, subscribe for free and have it download to your device. Once a week, I record Friday mornings. It'll, we upload Friday afternoon and shortly thereafter, it'll download to whatever device you listen to podcasts on. If you have comments on the show and those of you that sent me comments last week, I read them and I appreciate them. Um, uh, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. Okay, so let's talk about what's going on. Uh, the big, the big revelation of the week. Joe Biden has made a miraculous recovery from the once deadly disease of COVID, and he wants America to know it's all thanks to his administration's efforts in fighting the virus. The president's first COVID speech came on Tuesday in the White House Rose Garden. It began with this announcement. I've uh just tested negative for COVID-19 after isolating for five days. Fortunately, God, thankfully, thank God willing, there was my symptoms were mild. My recovery was quick and I'm feeling great. The entire time I was in isolation, I was able to work to carry out the duties of the office and uh, without any interruption. Fourth grade English, uh, uh, Biden, that's uh, God willing means uh, hopefully God's, God's going to be willing to let you to let you uh, heal up. And thank God is what you say after you already healed up. OK, so apparently you got that confused. And of course, he was able to, to work and he was able to stay in the residence and isolated and he'd still be able to do his job. Of course, even when he's well, he doesn't do his job. Um, we don't know what he really does besides eat ice cream and babble uh, sentence fragments into the microphone. 
Okay, also Biden announced that the variant he contracted was the one that Fauci's been warning us about, the evil BA5 variant, which is actually a variant of last year's variant, Omicron. Confused yet? Right now, we're, we are facing a, a new variant, the BA5 variant, a very transmissible version of Omicron variant we saw here this past winter. In fact, this new variant that infected me is getting a lot of people infected all around the world. We should take precautions to try to slow the spread of this virus. We've made high-quality masks available for free, so you should consider wearing a mask when you're in a crowded indoor public place. But the reality is that BA5 means many of us are still going to get COVID, even if we take the precautions. Yeah, many of us are going to get COVID even if we take the precautions because precautions don't do anything. So, uh, you know, hey, we're going to make them available for free because you get what you pay for. And, of course, they paid for all those free useless masks with our tax dollars. So some of us paid for them and the rest of you get them for free. And, of course, uh, there's a lot of things you can do with them and make uh, shoulder pads for them on your, uh, you know, when you for you girls that wear shoulder pads and stuff. There's all kinds of creative things you can do with those masks uh, because we know the precautions don't do anything. The mask doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. It doesn't protect anyone from getting COVID from you. Um, we know that the, those those boosters and those vaccinations don't do anything. We don't know what they do, actually. We know what they don't do. They don't prevent COVID, which they all told us, well, hey, if you've been vaccinated, you're protected. You don't need to wear a mask. Remember that stuff? So uh, Biden then bragged about the differences between his, his case of COVID and Trump's case. Unfortunately, this COVID is still with us, as it has been for two and a half years. What's different now is our ability to protect ourselves from serious illness. COVID isn't gone, but even with cases climbing in this country, COVID deaths are down nearly 90 percent. That's what's new. That's what's new in COVID response different from where we were just a year ago. When my predecessor got COVID, he had to get helicoptered to Walter Reed Medical Center. He was severely ill. Thankfully, he recovered. When I got COVID, I worked from upstairs to the White House and the offices upstairs and uh, for the, that five-day period. The difference is vaccinations, of course. Yeah, I ended to call BS on that. The difference is vaccinations. The difference is what, what viruses do. They get weaker, they spread out, they become less deadly. And uh, just what many doctors that weren't allowed to talk and maybe when they posted on social media got taken off because of misinformation uh, said they would do that. It's getting weaker. And everybody knows somebody who has COVID now. They say, hey, you know, everybody's, everybody, hey, I'm testing positive for COVID. I don't know if maybe the new tests are, are preloaded with COVID. Uh, although my wife was uh, having a little cough one day and she took one and she was negative. She goes, aren't you going to take a, take a test? I go, no, why would I? You're negative. I'm negative. So, and I don't have any symptoms, so I'm not worried about it, but uh, you know, that's, that's what, what's happening. But everybody who gets it now seems to be uh, feeling kind of not very good the first day and the next day, eh, it's not so bad. And the next day they're ready to come back to work, but I need to stay one more day. Because it had to be isolated three days. If you're Biden, you have to isolate for five days. Um, Biden's recovery is not just thanks to being double boosted, he says. It's also thanks to a new drug that he can't pronounce. If you test positive, you have a new powerful, we have a new powerful treatment called Paxlovid. It wasn't available a year ago. 
It's now, it's a pill. And now you can take these pills at home. You can get them for free at tens of thousands of local drugstores around the country. The Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, even put in a special rule so many pharmacists can prescribe these, this particular drug. So you don't even have to go to the doctor to get a prescription. Millions of Americans have used Paxlovid. Paxlovid, excuse me. Paxlovid. <laughs> I tell you what. I, I, I think it's, I used it. <laughs> oh, Paxlovid, including me. I guess. Uh, Paxlovid. Paxlovid. Uh, Paxlovid. Oh, wait, I used it. Okay. And you don't need a prescription or the, the pharmacists are going to prescribe it. Uh, does that mean it's over the counter? Does that mean it's, it's over the counter? How did something new drug just come up and miraculously it's over the counter and it's free, which means it's not free. That means those of us that pay taxes are paying for it. So the rest of you can get this drug for free. You know, they used to call it ActaFed. No, I looked, I looked it up to see what it looks like. I was going to say they used to call it Benadryl, but it wasn't pink. It's a little white pill. So it used to be called ActaFed and you could buy them over the counter and they were, you know, uh, $4.99 for a, for a card of uh, 12 of them or something. And now it's called Paxlovid. So somebody else can, uh, to make money on it. And, uh, since it's really, a uh, it's really a scam, uh, they're going to, uh, they're going to have the the taxpayers pay for it for everybody else. And, you know, if you want to talk about how the, how the pharmacists were, we used to have a drug called uh, hydroxychloroquine, you know, that cost about 10 cents a pill and has been being prescribed in the Navy for malaria for, for about, uh, I don't know, 40 or 50 years. And they, and they, uh, and they disperse about 40,000 pills of it a day to our military guys. And, uh, but that was something that Trump, Trump announced that was working on it. And they had a drug that I took when I got COVID last October called ivermectin. Of course, my uh, my doctor said, "Hey, ivermectin works works better than hydroxychloroquine, but you got to use it while while it's fresh." So he gives me a, a prescription, and I called my my pharmacist, and they said, "Oh, we don't stock it here at CVS, but they do over in Riverside." And I call over to Riverside, and I say, "Hey, do you have that in stock? I'm, I have a prescription for it." Oh, what did they prescribe it for? And I said, uh, oh, she goes, I know we uh, we don't stock it, but we can order it for you. What did they prescribe it for? And I go, why does that matter? She goes, well, you know, it, it's it's not supposed to be used for COVID. I go, so are you a doctor now or you're a pharmacist? Well, if you if the thing says they prescribed it for for uh, COVID, we're not going to fill it. So my doctor says, call Walgreens. I call Walgreens and they said, um, we don't have it in stock. You might try a veterinarian because those are for, for animals. And I go, never mind. I don't need a CNN, CNN lecture. And then he said, okay, call Cajon Pharmacy in Redlands. And, uh, and Cajon Pharmacy in Redlands, I went over there, and it's a little private private pharmacy. And the guy says, hey, you got I, and I told him the story. He goes, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, I got it all. Tell everybody who needs it. Bring their prescriptions over here. And what a what a freaking bunch of politics uh, because they didn't want to give Trump any credit for having uh, announced something that works. Of course, uh, I took it for uh, three days and uh, for three days I was not feeling too well. And then I started to get better. And uh, though I had to be isolated back then for 10 days, um, both Don and I were feeling pretty, pretty well back to back to almost perfect after three days. And, and, uh, you know, another week we were 
we were a hundred percent. So it wasn't that bad then. It's it's even not not anywhere near as bad today. Here's the conclusion of Biden's Rose uh, Rose Garden speech. COVID was killing thousands of Americans a day when I got here. That isn't the case anymore. You can live without fear by doing what I did, get boosted, get tested, and get treatment. At the same time, my administration remains vigilant. Right now, we have the tools to keep you from getting severely ill or dying from COVID. But we're not stopping there. Earlier this week, we had a conference at the White House for about the next generation of vaccines. Let's keep moving forward safely. And now, I get to go back to the Oval Office. Thank you all very much. So anyway, let's get on to the let's get on to the last next topic, conflicts of interest. Here's something for our listeners on AM 870 uh, out in L.A. County. You you may have heard L.A. County is close is was close to reinstating a mask mandate. And uh, the decision came down Thursday afternoon uh, that they're not going to reinstate the inside mask mandate, mostly because the cities of Long Beach, Pasadena and Beverly Hills have said, hey, not going to do it. You can reinstate it, but we're not going along with it. But now we're learning there was a huge conflict of uh, interest uh, behind the county's most troubling mask mandate of all, the one imposed on school children. The story is, for the past two years, most L.A. County mask mandate decisions have been made by the county director of public health, Dr. Barbara Ferrer. The L.A. Times once called her L.A.'s version of Dr. Fauci. In fact, Ferrer's Wikipedia page says she makes $50,000 more per year than the Lord God Tony Fauci. Fauci, by the way, is the highest paid federal civil servant in the nation. In 2019, last time they published it, he was making $417,600 a year, which I'm sure is much higher now. Another fun fact about Dr. Barbara Ferrer is she's not a medical doctor. She's got a master's in public health, like every other health care bureaucrat, bureaucrat, and a PhD in social work, which makes her a master of being a community organizer, which I guess qualifies her to be the president. And somehow that qualifies her to be the director of public health for the most heavily populated county in the United States, almost 10 million people. And despite showing up unmasked at many events over the past several weeks, everything from the All-Star Game to uh, various award ceremonies where she was a guest of honor, Ferrer has the nerve to complain about regular people who don't wear them. We have tried uh, to ask people to make their own decisions about masking and go ahead and mask so that we could slow down transmission. And that hasn't been very successful. It hasn't been very successful because people are done with it. Travis Rice from Fox, uh, Fox 11 in Los Angeles said uh, he tweeted out L.A. County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer said we're in a high concern COVID category right now at her weekly briefing today. This was also her at the All-Star Game two days ago, and it shows her without a mask on. And uh, Kellyanne Conway uh, uh, responded to it. She said she's wearing a mask on her arm. Hence that shoulder pad thing was uh, my idea from that picture. So that was all last week. This week, Dr. Ferrer was confronted with the outcry over her failure to publicly disclose conflict of interest after a report revealed that a CDC-backed study on school mask mandate was co-authored by her own daughter. On Wednesday, the conservative blog Red State sounded the alarm that Ferrer's daughter, Caitlin Barnes, co-wrote the original study that LA County schools used to continue masking kids longer than other districts throughout the nation. At no time did Caitlin Barnes or her mother, Barbara Ferrer, disclose their conflicts of interest. 
Here's some irony. At a Harvard University event in May, Barbara Ferrer explained she was surprised to learn that the public doesn't trust her or the L.A. County Health Department to give them accurate information on COVID. Gee, I wonder why. One of the the problems with not well resourcing the public health system is that we have found out the hard way uh, that we're not necessarily the trusted uh, provider. We're not necessarily the trusted voice or the trusted leader in our communities. I don't think anybody in the in the Biden administration at all is any longer the trusted the trusted source of information, the trusted leader, because they're all just trying to control us. Anyway, we're going to talk more about this, but I'm all out of time for the first half of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of weather, traffic, sports and commercials, and I'll be back with lots more. And now you find yourself in 82. The disco hotspots hold the charm for you. You can't concern yourself with bigger things. You catch a pull and ride the dragon's wings. Cause it's the heat of the moment. The heat of the moment. The heat of the moment. And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with Plan of Home Lending. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing on the radio because some of you might think it's boring, but if you have thought about that in the last couple months and you thought, Hey, the rates are a little bit too high. Um, the rates got a little better the last three days. I don't know if that's going to stick till next week, but Hey, it might be in, it might be time to call me at 855-640-2020 and just check. And uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like the gas prices. Hey, gas prices have fallen about, uh, 74 cents over the last six weeks that everyone's telling us, oh, well, look at what Biden's doing. He dropped it 74 cents. Yeah, it's still $3 higher than it used to be. And uh, when he came in, so, uh, and that's a, and you know, hey, is that going to stick? I don't know. I doubt it. I doubt it. So, uh, but you know what? Well, I saw, I saw somebody on Outnumbered talking and uh, I think Leslie Marshall was, she goes, well, do you realize, I'm trying to think how she said it. That realized that saves $270 million for, for the American people, but 74 cents a day. Yeah, but there's 330 million people in the country. So that saves them like a dollar, dollar a month, maybe dollar a week, whatever it is. Um, I don't think it changes anybody's lives. Unfortunately, and not anywhere near like the price of gas jumping $3 a gallon affects them and it affects everyone else and every other industry. And that's not now it's not just an extra three bucks a gallon to fill your tank, it's three bucks a gallon plus the three bucks a gallon to, to fill all those all those other tanks of uh, diesel rigs that are bringing all our products, and it's uh, more more money for the oil for the petroleum based uh, fertilizers that our farmers use, and everything's got more expensive. It's ugly, and like I said in the first half, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. I mean, we could probably keep getting worse for another two years, and then we can uh, reelect Trump. Trump can go in there. He won't have he won't need to worry about a reelection. He won't be beholden to anybody else and he'll make big changes fast. And then two years into his into his uh, into his his second term, then uh, DeSantis will be done being governor in Florida. And that gives him two years to start campaigning to take over where where Trump left off. So that's that's what I see the plan is. And uh, if you see it different. um, So be it. That's how I see it. So anyway, uh, we were talking about conflicts of interest with uh, Barbara Ferrer and her daughter 
and the mask mandate in LA County in the, in the, right before we uh, took the break. Um, and speaking of conflicts of interest, here's uh, some more conflicts of interest between uh, between uh, a dad and a son, where it was a mother and a daughter. Uh, Hunter Biden news this week. Top Republican on the House Oversight Committee wants answers from Hunter Biden's financial advisor about transactions that were that were linked to the Biden family's foreign business dealings and flagged as suspicious by multiple American-based banks. So you guys all know that I'm in the mortgage business. And as of about 10 years ago, we have these things called SARS, suspicion activity reports that we're supposed to report when we see anything suspicious in your financial package. Weird deposits, uh, weird kind of accounts, any kind of things, we're supposed to file suspicious activity reports. If you guys give us phony phony tax returns or phony uh, pay stubs or anything phony, it's very hard to very hard to get away with fraud anymore since the meltdown, but it's people are still trying. So when we see this, we have to file suspicious activity reports. And then the financial crimes division of the department of justice follows up on those things. Okay. With that, getting back to the Hunter Biden in the letter to Hunter's financial advisor, Edward Pruitt this week, Representative James Comer, who's Republican from Kentucky, set an August 3rd deadline for Pruitt to brief members of the committee and an August 10th deadline to turn over documents on the transaction. The letter reads, more than 150 transactions from Biden's business dealings have been flagged by U.S. banks through filings of suspicious activity reports to the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. Okay, remember, so 150 transactions through various banks. The banks see them, they file a, a suspicious activity report, goes to the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. Ne- text messages show that Hunter Biden was aware of these SARS, suspicious activity reports, and took steps to avoid detection of his financial dealings. As Hunter Biden's financial advisor, you are in a unique position to know how these transactions originated and why they were flagged by U.S. banks. According to Comer, the ranking member on the House Oversight Committee, uh, Pruitt, the financial services advisor to Hunter Biden, the financial advisor, Pruitt and his firm managed the accounts of the first son's businesses, including Rosemont Seneca and Hudson West, which Comer's letter, Comer's letter states has been used in transferring millions of dollars to Hunter and James Biden from CEFC, an energy company that's effectively an arm of the Chinese government. You following all that? Can you say conflict of interest? This week, Chuck Grassley sent a letter to the FBI Director Christopher Wray, who's been such a dynamic, a dynamic, effective leader of the FBI, not. And Attorney General Merrick Garland, who is about as weak as you can get. And uh, I, I'm putting him over the top of Jeff Sessions, the super nice guy that recused himself from everything for during Trump because he might have accidentally talked to a Russian at a, at a campaign event. Uh, so the, the letter from Grassley to the FBI director and, uh, and attorney general accusing the FBI and DOJ of burying verified intelligence on Hunter's activities by categorizing it as disinformation. James Comer backs up Grassley's whistleblower claims. Today, it seems like another video comes out, another tape comes out. Uh, that would confirm that that Hunter Biden has broken many, many laws. And I think the Department of Justice realizes that they can no longer stall on this. I think you're starting to see people in the FBI come forward. Uh, we're starting to have whistleblowers on the Oversight Committee come forward in the administration. The dam has broken with respect to Hunter Biden. 
Yeah, the dam has has broken and it's all coming out. And of course, uh, we're not really hearing big news covering it just yet, but it's starting. Comer's letter continues. Committee Republicans are committed to following Hunter Biden's money trail, consisting of many complex international transactions worth millions of dollars. The American people deserve to know the president's connections to his son's business dealings, which have occurred at the expense of the American interest and may represent a national security threat. What kind of national security threats? Former Congressman Jason Chaffetz from Utah sounded off on the Faulkner focus. Look, the um, the, the grand jury has wrapped up things. I, I, I'm in the camp now that there has to be a special prosecutor. This is not just about Hunter Biden. It's also about Joe Biden. And the only way that you're going to be able to, to, to pursue that is with a special prosecutor. Real quickly, what keeps you up at night on this issue? Um, that we have the president of the United States that's highly compromised on China that they took millions and millions of dollars into the Biden family and unilaterally Biden has acquiesced to China and not gotten anything in return. You can lay out over a dozen times where Biden has has given China uh, preferential treatment. Why is that? And why is it that the family is taking millions of dollars? They, they, those questions need to be answered. No, this is all about Joe Biden. You know, Hunter Biden is a nobody without Joe Biden. You know, if, if he wasn't Joe Biden's son, nobody would care. Hey, he's a he's a little he's a little insect out there. He does he does drugs and and uh, solicits pros, uh, prostitutes and he's just not a good person. And he tries to uh, to make a shady deal whenever he can. Problem is, he's using his father's influence. Uh, from the time he was a senator to the time he was vice president to now. And Joe Biden is compromised on China. He's also compromised on Russia. He's also compromised on Ukraine. You know how weak he's been with the Russia versus Ukraine. He's compromised everywhere. And remember, and, uh, and I'll connect the dots for you because so many people watch this and they understand it when someone tells them on the news or when someone tells them on a, on the internet and then, you know, a week later, they forgot all about that. But remember, the Democrats impeached President Trump, not because of Russian collusion, because they did that big, that big uh, Russian collusion investigation and found the only person who colluded with Russia was the, the Hillary Clinton campaign. And there was no, there was no, uh, there was no, no result from that against Hillary Clinton, but they sure tried to against Trump. And of course, um, what they impeached him on was a phone call to President Zelensky in in uh, Ukraine for asking about a crime that Biden committed and he admitted to on video. So let's see, you go over there, you make a deal with Ukraine that we're going to give him one point six billion dollars and they're going to they're going to funnel back a million dollars a year. Uh, through his son, Hunter Biden. And we know now that Hunter Biden was given half of that money to, to Pops. He's given half his paycheck to Pops. And so that's not a conflict of interest. Then he flies over there and tells him that it, the, when the prosecutor is going after uh, uh, the, the gas company through which they were, they were filtering the money back through Hunter Biden, uh, Burisma, then he says, hey, you know, if, if you don't fire that prosecutor who's investigating Burisma, you're not getting the money. They go, you don't have that authority. He goes, try me. He goes, I'm leaving here in uh, six hours. And if that guy's not fired, 
you don't get the billion, 1.6 billion. And he goes, son of a bee. The guy got fired. That's not conflict of interest. But Trump called Trump called Zelensky and said, hey, can you look into that? Was there anything to that story? And the Democrats impeached him for it. Of course, it didn't go through because the senators wouldn't allow it. But remember, that's how that's how evil this is. And that's the whole Biden family. You know, in the, the day in the an hour before one of the presidential debates, we heard Tony Bobolinsky go over there and, and spill the beans on on the other de- other deal about that corporation Sinohawk that they were doing with China. And 10% of the profits there go to the big guy. And he said the big guy is Joe Biden. And he said, I've met with Joe Biden. Now we're wondering if he if why why he's not being stronger with uh, China or Russia or Ukraine. Because he's conflicted. He's compromised. This isn't a problem. Hell yes, it's a problem. So let's talk about China China this week. Uh, China's everywhere we look this week. We have Pelosi's rumored trip to Taiwan uh, coming up. Will she go or won't she? Would China really shoot her plane down? Aren't we just dying to find out? Are we willing to take that risk? She grabbed me down the lobby and explained what was up. And then they slapped this bulletproof vest on me and gave me a gun. <laughs> but what if he shot you in the face? What if he shot me in the face? That's a risk we were willing to take. That's a risk we're willing to take. Hey, let's send Pelosi over there so we don't look weak. And, uh, you know, hey, if they, if they shoot her plane down... It's going, to cause, it's going to cause some conflict, but that's a risk we're willing to take. Uh, yep, and, uh, and of course, I think back, hey, last week we sent Biden to the Middle East. And you couldn't, you couldn't have made a gesture to make us look weak better than that. Hey, if you want to make the United States look weak, let's just send him over to that pariah in, uh, in Saudi Arabia and let him, let him kiss his butt over there and, uh, and beg him for oil and when we could, he could have just gone to Texas and Alaska to do that and uh, would have made everything better. But now we're going to send Nancy Pelosi over there to, uh, to Taiwan to make us look strong. I don't think so, folks. Then we had uh, Biden's two hour and 17 minute phone call on Thursday with Chairman Xi. Uh, did they talk about fentanyl from China as killing Americans? No. Uh, or how China gave us COVID? No. Unfortunately, we don't know for sure, but that's the rumor. We're hearing, nah, he didn't really talk about that. Because the White House gave us almost no details about the phone call. They gave us, they gave us all the nauseating little details about Trump asking, hey, can you look into that Biden thing, extorting money out through Burisma? But they don't have any details about two, two hour and 17 minute phone call with uh, Chairman Xi. And Biden. All we know is that the China State's news agency claims that she gave Biden this ominous warning on Pelosi's trip. Public opinion, quote, public opinion shall not be violated. And if you play with fire, you get burned. I hope the U.S. can see this clearly. Wow. So uh, the reports from that prompt uh, that Biden promptly wet and soiled himself. And uh, it may be a coincidence, but the USS Ronald Reagan nuclear-powered uh, aircraft carrier happens to be in the South China Sea right now. Um, might be a coincidence. It was in Singapore, and Singapore's um, 
probably about the same distance from uh, from uh, Taiwan as as Hawaii is from from uh, from L.A. And I've been on a cruise ship that went over there. I'm sure aircraft carrier probably moves about as fast as a cruise ship takes four and a half days to get across there. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, is it coincidence that this just happened to happen as this stuff's starting to talk about? And it moved over uh, about that same distance. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe normal. And then we have this con- computer chip bill, which passed the Senate on Wednesday and is quickly headed for Biden's desk. The $250 billion measure. $250 billion measure, that's a quarter of a trillion, officially called the CHIPS Act of 22, not to be confused with Eric Estrada and, uh, and uh, Larry Wilcox. Uh, it's the CHIPS Act. Uh, it's supposed to be supposed to address the worldwide semiconductor shortage and help us compete with China on manufacturing our own electronics. But will it? Some facts on the bill. The Department of Commerce will determine which companies receive funding over the course of five years. billion will subsidize companies that expand or build new semiconductor manufacturing facilities in the U.S. There's also $24 billion to give them a tax credit. That sounds good on its face, but we'll revisit that in a couple of minutes. Semiconductor chip manufacturers lobbied hard for this this bill. There's the first red flag. The semiconductor chip manufacturers lobbied hard for this bill. They want the money. They stand to benefit significantly from the money it will pour into their industry, although most of the critics of the bill are Republicans. Bernie Sanders is joining them and calling it nothing more than corporate welfare. $10 billion goes to the semiconductor research, including workforce development and collaboration with other countries. There's the second red flag. What countries and how are we collaborating with them? How did collaborating with China go when it came to researching bat viruses? I'm not feeling that. Biden is eager to sign this bill, and there's the third red flag. Biden's eager to, to sign it. He's probably got some deal going. Hey, this is going to uh, get some more kickbacks to my son, Hunter, who can't really hold on to the job, and he can't be trusted with a laptop. President Biden tweeted out, semiconductor chips are the building blocks of the modern economy. They power our smartphones and cars. And for years, manufacturing was sent overseas for the sake of American jobs, For the sake of, for God's sake, for the sake of American jobs and our economy, we must make these at home. The Chips for America Act will get that done. You know what else could have got that done? Uh, America First First, uh, policies. You know, the kind like Trump was doing. You know, hey, reduce regulations. Cut down down, uh, all the requirements. America can can make computer chips. They can make iPhones. Why are iPhones built in China? Because the the environmental laws and the regulations make it too expensive to do business in the United States. But I'm sure people wouldn't mind paying an extra 50 bucks for an iPhone if uh, if they were made here and all those jobs were here and we didn't have to depend on China for anything. But you know what? If the government stays in, in business's face, businesses stop doing business in the United States. Let's hear from some Republicans who aren't on board. Jim Banks, Republican from Indiana, told Fox Digital, the latest version of Chuck Schumer's fake China bill would boost inflation. And despite Democrats' claims, much of these taxpayer dollars will end up funding semiconductor factories in communist China, not at home. And here's Senator Rick Scott of Florida. 
Here's the deal. Take a company like Intel. Intel made $20 billion last year. We're going to give them $4 billion to build a plant, but we don't have to say exactly what type of chips we want. Number two, we're going to give a tax break. And number three, we're going to give a tax credit. And by the way, do they have to stop doing business in China, reduce their business in China? No, they can continue to expand in China. And when China expands or threatens Taiwan, invades Taiwan, oh, do they have to stop doing business in, in China? Absolutely not. And do we get a return like taxpayers? I'm a fiduciary for the American taxpayer, do we get any money back out of this? No, there is no standard to get a return. There's none. So this is a pro-China bill, not an anti-China bill. Yeah, that's uh, re that reminds me of the cash for clunkers deal when, when the Democrats were last involved. Well, to help uh, to help to save the, the the climate in this country, Biden created the cash for clunkers. We're gonna we're gonna give people forty five hundred dollars rebate. If they turn in their old smog, smoggy cars, their old uh, their old polluting cars, and buy a new one because the new ones are so much cleaner, and uh, we're going to give them forty five bucks, forty five hundred bucks. So what they didn't do is say, hey, but you got to buy an American car. You know, let's make let's make this a double win. Let's get the 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 smoggy cars off the road, and let's get them in some nice American cars, which will help the American factories. I don't know. Maybe this is, uh, and of course, there's no, there's no, this uh, semiconductor bill doesn't have any uh, regulations on what kind of semiconductors get built, get made, and where they get made. And we're going to collaborate with other countries. It's ugly. So I got four minutes left. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about whatever, what a lot of people are seeing on TV about this uh, PACT Act that went on this week. And I'm going to tell you what I know about it and what I've looked at in the last couple of days. Because uh, I've had to, uh, I've had to clear up some. I had to give some clarity to some people that I know that posted things on Facebook about this because the the social media, the Democrats, uh, are experts on putting out information that colors the real the real facts. So this PACT Act is uh, there to give uh, veterans, and I'd say largely of largely of uh, of Vietnam area era and uh, and I guess I guess some of them in the in the Middle East as well that have had uh, that have been uh, affected by the toxins of burn pits and uh, chemicals and all that stuff out there and it's there to help them so it went through the Senate and it and it was objected to by 14 Republicans the first time but it still passed still passed and it but 14 Republicans objected to it and they objected to it because there's a clause in there that turns a 400 billion dollar Oh, I'm sorry, $400 million fund of discretionary funds that, that it's used for to mandatory mandatory funds. So we've all worked at, at companies where they say, hey, you know, it's the end of the fiscal year. We have to use up all this money or else we lose it. So we have to order a toner for our copy machines and uh, and some extra fax machines, some extra this and extra that. Otherwise, we lose it because the end of the fiscal year, we have to spend this money. So it takes $400 million of this and makes it mandatory. And they say, hey, wait, wait, wait. We're in we're in a recession now. This is not the time to to create more spending if we don't need it. Leave it as discretional, and that need that part needs to change. So they made a few they they made a few adjustments, not to that part. It went to the House and it passed, and it went back to the Senate. And now this now the didn't pass this time because now there's a bunch more people that jumped on board of of uh, voting no on it. And what they voted no about was this deal that the Democrats made with with uh, Joe Manchin in West Virginia. 
And I'm going to talk in more detail about that next week because I'm sure there will be more coming out because it hasn't actually passed yet. But they made a deal with Joe Manchin that he said he'll support it. So remember, Build Back Better was was like a $3 trillion bill that they were going to save the climate and they're going to build this and build that. So they whittled it all down. But one of the ways they got Joe, uh, Joe Manchin to say he would vote for it, which means they don't need any Republicans, was to offer him a pipeline in West Virginia. So they're doing things. Hey, wait, we're not going to produce oil anywhere in this country because that's not good for the climate. But since they want to get this, this bill passed so they could save us money on, on uh, prescription drugs and, and advance the uh, Obamacare for another few years, which we know how well that's done for things. And you see all these bills every time they spend any money, it's going to reduce the price of prescription drugs. Well, I haven't seen the price of prescription drugs go down yet. Why would we think this is going to do the same? But they basically they basically uh, bribed Manchin. Hey, we're going to help you out for your state, and we're going to let you build a pipeline to uh, to transport uh, natural gas from West Virginia down to Virginia, which is going to create jobs in your state. And in and in uh, and in exchange for that, Joe Biden's going to Joe. I'm sorry, Joe Manchin is going to vote yes on this bill. So the Republicans the Republicans are outraged by by how dirty this is. And instead, and instead, they voted no on the on the PACT Act. Pretty much all the Republicans say this will this will probably pass next week in one form or another. But right now, they were just all mad about that. So you know, there's there's lots of dirty stuff going on in politics, and there's lots of hey, you know, we don't really need this to spend this uh, almost one trillion dollars. But if you vote for it, we're gonna we're gonna let you guys open up a pipeline in West Virginia that that we shut down for you and we're going to let your state do good so anyway this is how politics works works folks we see how corrupt our country is and it's uh not just in california it's all over the country so anyway i'm all out of time for this episode of the main event thanks for listening my name's ed hoffman and i'll be back again with you next week